Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to another episode of Talk Tennis. Today, I am joined by Charlie Fox, who literally has like the coolest job in the tennis industry. I have a pretty cool job. I'm not going to lie, Charlie, but your job is pretty amazing. And, you know, we're still relatively new friends. So I'm still getting to know you a little bit, but I do know you produce a ton of awesome content and some of my favorite content for the ATP. And you've worked with so many different players. So why don't you give me your bio instead of me trying to give your bio? I can do that, or I at least can try doing that. I own a production company. Um, we work with a lot of people in um, the sport of tennis. We work with people and um, companies outside of the sport as well, but really our niche and what we, where we've built a lot of our relationships and even our content has been within the sport of tennis. Um, so we work with the ATP Tour and uh, co-produce a large portion of their Um, digital content. Um, There's another company that we work with in London who also work on their content. But um, from our side, we travel to a lot of their events. I think this year we're set to do about 32 tournaments um, and we do a weekly show for them uh, with this other company called Clean Cut Media in um, London and it's called ATP Uncovered. So uh, that runs about 47 weeks a year and goes out in about 150 countries. And that's kind of a magazine style show with um, behind the scenes, off seasons, uh, player profiles, games that we force players to do and they are good sports about um, and kind of tournament profiles. And then we also produce a large portion of their uh, the ATP's help with them with their digital content. They come to us with ideas and we also come to them with ideas and a lot of the things on their Instagram, Facebook, Twitter uh, are probably done by one of our company, the company I own with my wife called Sift Creative and uh, or this company in London. So um, it's been a fun run. We also work with the International Tennis Hall of Fame and help them with a lot of their um, content, do interviews with for them and um, help them archive a lot of the um, tennis history. And we also work with some of the brands um, within the sport as well. So um, yeah, I feel very lucky to have been doing this for about 10 years now. So um, it's been a, it's been a good run. Yeah. I would say that most people out there have, or any of our listeners have definitely watched your content. I know even just in the office, we're constantly like pulling up those videos. Like, did you watch this one? Did you watch this one? So you guys are doing an awesome job. Really cool to see everything, especially this past year. It's kept a lot of us going. Um, so that's been really cool, but I wanted to rewind a tiny bit. Now, Your dad is someone that most of our listeners probably know as well, Dr. Alan Fox, and he has a little bit of tennis in his past or a lot. Just a little bit in there. (laughs) Okay, so I, I am very familiar with your dad and his books and some of his psychology stuff, but I was just doing a little research and I wrote it down, quote unquote, he's known as the ultimate achiever. 
That's like his bio. I, you know, that, I, it might have been written by someone in the Fox family, but I, I do like the, he is an ultimate achiever. He's a, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he's got a quite a pedigree off uh, post-career, but even on the court, quarterfinals of Wimbledon, um, had a good run in this LA tournament, formerly called the Pacific Southwest, where he beat um fred stolly roy emerson santana and tony roach to win so that was his big one of his big uh claim to fame titles but yeah it was uh, a lot of tennis in the household growing up so i'm really you know i went into an industry that i'm really not comfortable with um <laughs> really outside of the you know the the, the family domain there yeah, that's what I was going to say. So were you born with a tennis racket in your hand, more or less? <laughs> you know, I didn't actually, I did not care for the sport or like the sport. And I think my dad, he also coached college tennis for 19 years at Pepperdine. Um, and I think with that, he was almost overly cautious not to push me into tennis or, you know, he kind of had it out there and I just couldn't care less about the sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was about... 12 and a half when I find when I first started playing. So I was a little bit of a later start in there. Um, he signed me up for a tournament. I was playing for like a month just for fun. <laughs> signed me up for a tournament. I lost, which I got very used to doing throughout my career. Um, but I got really into it and then got the tennis bug after that. And then it, yeah, got, I was a little tennis nut growing up watching all the old matches ordering uh dvds online of uh old matches and i was anyone who wanted to talk tennis results i was ready to have that conversation nice so it seems fit that you are in the industry that you're in and producing and being able to geek out on a daily basis exactly there are times when you're like dealing with some of these people and you're like especially the generation from before this one where even guys like Grosjean and you're interviewing, I'm like, I used to love the way you wear your hat, man. Like, <laughs> like flip, flip up. up in the yeah. back. Exactly. It's like, it's awesome. So yeah, I uh, feel very honored and lucky to still, yeah, work in the sport and go to a lot of these tournaments that I used to watch on TV and just get to see another side of it. It's, uh, it's been a, been a very fun run. Nice. And who were the people that you were looking up to when you were younger? Who were your like Federer's and Nadal's when you were younger? Federer's and Nadal's <laughs> were a good start. Yeah, uh, I, was like, I mean, Federer, Federer was there because, yeah, the first year he won um, Wimbledon in 2003 was when I was kind of just getting into it all. So I was really, yeah, I was pretty much been following Fed since, I mean, yeah, I started playing and now working in tennis and the guy's still here playing. So, <laughs> yeah. um, ridiculous, uh, Roddick as well, just as a grow, you know, just holding the mantle and same thing, won that U S open in 2003 and, um, followed him throughout his career. Um, I like guys like Guga just because he was fun to watch and all of that. And then, yeah, the kind of more, as the time went, you know, loved watching even just all the current rivalries and all of that. It's been, it's, uh, we've been very lucky to have these guys for this long. It's, uh, I don't think anyone could have predicted any of this. For sure. Yeah. And they're providing loads of content and it's really fun to just dive in and be a fan of tennis right now, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, it is. It's an exciting time because you have this old guard, but then you have, 
the Sinners, the Shapovalov, Felix. I mean, there's like you could 20 guys that are are coming up uh, between all of the Tsitsipas and Zverev. I mean, it's crazy the amount of names with the old guard and the new guard. I think tennis looks to be in a very good place. Uh, yeah, coming up. For sure. Now let's go a little more current. So last year, 2020 March, you were at BMP. I was at BMP. We're all getting ready to go. And uh, COVID-19 kind of hit the country harder than we thought. I think at least even being there was a little bit of a wild time. Um, Talk me through how the year unfolded after that for you, for someone that is normally doing a ton of content and a ton of work with these players at tournaments and all of a sudden like tournaments just stopped yeah it was definitely yeah it was it was <laughs> a uh it was a scramble um we were obviously in indian wells when it got canceled i remember we were walking to the parking lot like i heard little rumblings during the day that they're like someone's mentioned like it might get canceled i'm like canceled wow. yeah and like, you're not gonna cancel the tournament <laughs> i mean and then we were like walking to the parking lot and someone's like going through their Twitter going like, they just canceled the tournament. So we're like, wait, what do we do now? We're already talking about the next day. And so, yeah, we, we head back. We were trying to plan out Miami, naively thinking that that was coming. That got canceled. And then we went to scramble mode because not only did we have all this content planned coming up, but we do have a weekly show with ATP Uncovered that, doesn't stop. And so we started running some older stuff for the first week or two, but realized pretty quick that wasn't going to sustain. Um, and really about like a week or two into the, to that time, uh, the ATP and WTA started having some chats about creating, um, some joint content. And so we started our team with the ATP got together and then the WTA also got their team together. And we started just having some really planning calls of like, what could we do? Um, and came up with this idea as a group, um, which came to be Tennis United, um, which was pretty much a weekly show um, hosted by Bethany Maddox-Sands and Vashik Pospisil, um, who turned out to just be unbelievable hosts. He's, yeah, And uh, <laughs> They're the awesome. show kind of took a life of its own. We kind of structured it and went through it as we went. We, you know, you and I talked a little bit offline before this started, but we had to learn kind of how to film over Zoom, what the plan was to record and the technical aspects of all of this. And then, you know, it, honestly, I think the first episode came out end of March. So it really, it was really a quick turnaround and credit to both tours for kind of being able to grab player time and lock all this in very quickly because uh you know our teams worked really hard to get it going but you know without delivering players and all of that it it wouldn't have happened so um yeah so that was kind of how we spent a large portion of the um first couple of months of the pandemic um we produced 18 episodes in total um it was a weekly grind we had a couple guys on our team working wta had a little team working and we'd have weekly calls we filmed um, kind of, we do about like two filming sessions with Bethany and Vashek every week. We do, um, one filming session that was like the intro and the outro of the show. They, we did a social roundup that they'd record there. And then we'd do a second filming session, which was generally like our guest of the week. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. We had, uh, 
obviously from the player side, it was, I don't know how many players we had in total, but it was like, it was a pretty large number from Djokovic to Murray to Edberg, Navratilova, oh, no. <laughs> Davenport, Henman, and plus all the kind of current stars and Kyrgios and all the players. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and we also just, we got some non-tennis people like, uh, Luis Fonzi, who does Desposito, uh, <laughs> known for his YouTube fame, and Dirk Nowinski, uh, Steve Nash, Wayne Gretzky. So it was really cool, honestly, to see uh, see a lot of that. And then obviously just the WTA stars from Muguruza and Osaka, and just it was it was fun. It was you know obviously a lot of my chats been ATP heavy because that's the hat I wear on the most part, but just getting to spend all that time and getting to know some more of the WTA players and Bethany and all of that was, was really cool to just mix things up on our end. And it definitely challenged the creativity trying to come up with a 20 plus minute show uh, every week. Yeah. Well, and I, I mentioned this to you in an email, but literally that was like my life. Every time there was a new episode out, I was so excited to watch it. And I know even internally, like we would share the episodes and like, I remember when it was Vacek's birthday and he's like such a little baby face and everyone like Beth was giving him a hard time. <laughs> and then like the whole Australian it open or the whole Australian uh, Davis cup team or like all the Aussie guys freaking yeah. John John Millman's like one of my favorite and like, they're all just trolling each other in the zoom. It was, it was great. Yeah, I mean, that one was a three 30 AM, uh, <laughs> wake up call for me. I was, oh, uh, that was the only time we could, that's the problem with like those big group chats trying to get five, six guys together. It was like, uh-huh. they're like, yeah, 10 30 Australian time work. It's like, yep. Nope, <laughs> sure. We're good for it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Those are fun. I mean, just great to see a different side of the players. I think even, one thing we noticed is a lot of these chats that we had with them really got cut down, like Muguruza, Djokovic. Like, I mean, we went on for 45 minutes to an hour and like had to cut a lot of that content down. Or I know one of the first things we did was with, I think it might've been the first show with Feliciano Lopez and Azarenka and Bethany Vasek. And they were just talking about a bit of everything. We, we were like trying to wrap them up. It was like an hour and a half of <laughs> chatting. We're like, guys, like, we're going to use about five minutes of this. We're going to, this is going to turn into about, but they were just, I think a lot of the players were just happy to see each other. And it was, you could see some of the personalities and stuff really coming through and, you know, everyone was locked up and just happy to see each other again. Yeah, totally. And I mentioned it to you, but it's kind of something that I watched and I was like, oh, I want the podcast, our podcast to be more like that. Like it definitely motivated me even to have these fun conversations and connect more people together. And we've, we've done some, we actually recorded one with our team in Australia and Europe and myself. And it was a, I think it was a 3am call. (laughs) It was pretty fun. (laughs) But you know, 3am for you or 3am for Australia? No, it was 3am for me. It was like the perfect time for everyone else. (laughs) But you know, here for it. (laughs) Uh, Someone's got to draw draw the short, uh, yeah, the short (laughs) straw when you've got all those time zones. So totally power to you. 
Um, okay. So I have, I want to spill the tea. Let's hear all the dirt. Um, let's talk a little bit technical difficulties. Knowing, you know, I'm not a super technical person, but with this podcast, it's almost been two years now. I've definitely had my bad days with technical stuff, audio issues, have completely um, recorded an episode and lost my whole audio track. Um, tell me about some of your worst nightmares or biggest fears when it goes when with recording with some of these names that like maybe you grew up obsessing over or maybe you're just kind of like starstruck by. Yeah, I mean, it, it is scary. I mean, <laughs> luckily, I'm just thinking we didn't have any major technical difficulties, like, thank goodness, yeah. on Tennis United. Yeah. We had, I mean, I, we went over the top, though, with our recording. I mean, we were having individual, we were recording individual screens. So we um, had, you know, on a call of four people, I made sure that we had doubled up for everybody that was recording. So, I mean, when we had four players, there were eight plus people recording. And so some of those, I mean, always a little nervous getting into one of those, but even during for like the Nito ATP finals, we did a bunch of content um, for the tour that was kind of reflecting on the 50th anniversary. So we got together a lot of past and present players and pretty much every one of those calls was nerve wracking just because <laughs> it was like better and Borg. And you're like, don't mess up. Like, yeah. And you also just don't know how anyone's internet connection is. So like half of it is our fault. And then the other half is like, if better is on there and he's like, you know, stuttering and moving around, you're like, there's no other option. It's just like, so you're just hoping like every time you see the connecting thing on zoom, you're like, please have good internet, please have good internet. So yeah, we had Djokovic and Sampras with that, uh, Hewitt and team. It was a lot of like, really fun pairings, but incredibly stressful, kind of just making sure it all worked. And so that's it is honestly, we didn't have that really any big technical issues, but um, it was a lot of stress just hoping we didn't. And yeah, in terms of shooting around the world with the tennis, it's luckily same thing, nothing major. We've had some little hiccups and little bits of even just you show up at a tournament and you're going to somewhere for three days and you're just like crossing your fingers that your gear shows up because you don't have a lot of time. So we've definitely had the tripod not show up or the lights and just have to get creative or, you know, the suitcase doesn't show up and I'm wearing the, the same plain clothes like <laughs> day three and just like it happens. But um, luckily, really nothing major. And uh, I'm going to knock on wood yeah. because probably just gonna be like famous last words there <laughs> I was going to ask if there's any players specifically that are like super technically challenged like I mean to the point where I've I've done a few interviews with players and you're like okay you need to have good internet you need to have your headphones plugged into your laptop <laughs> and like still they're like they show up. Is it okay if I don't have headphones? It's like, no, you need headphones. You need to wear headphones, please. And as I'm not wearing any headphones, so I didn't follow the brief, but um, my bad. Uh, I'll be better next time. Which I, is the good I didn't news. even pitch uh, you anything because I was like, he's got this. <laughs> I know I should have did not assume. Um, but yeah, I mean, from we, I, I like during the, we definitely had some times when we were texting players and just trying to um, get footage from them. Uh, we filmed over zoom, but we also had them use their cell phones, 
um, as a secondary recording device. So it, the quality looked better and we were actually using the cell phone video, which is why Bethany and Vashek looked so good. Um, so there were times like there's a guy, Marcus Rashford, who is a famous uh, for in Europe footballer, uh, soccer in the States. And um, he's a Manchester United. I hope that's right. Uh, <laughs> player. And he, we did something with him and Andy Murray and he's you know superstar over there filmed on his cell phone, wanted to get us the footage and couldn't figure it out. And so like, I was on the phone with him and his agent for like 30 minutes, just like trying to walk through and we're like, okay, we're, we're going to get there in the end. And there were a couple of those of the players just texting. I won't throw any one under the bus, but <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> um, you know, we had a couple, we had a couple feverish texting times where a uh, little but that's why we always had the zoom as a back backup because if someone couldn't get us their cell phone, we could always go off of the zoom quality. So, um, but yeah, we, we face some technical challenges, uh, throughout the way at times. And I have to give a shout out to Bethany. We work with her a bunch and she knows her angles and she's always like, she always looks amazing. And just watching her on the tennis United, I was like, okay, you guys have to make me look as good as Beth looks on these calls, but she's got some magic. <laughs> Unbelievable. She's such a pro it, it, you know, I know I've seen her on TV and I've interacted with her over the years, but seeing what she did with tennis United, where we're like, We'd sometimes have a script or it would just be kind of loose. And we're like, all right, Bethany, roll with it. I mean, it just became a joke. Like Vashek was great and, uh, but definitely not as much of those hosting chops. So we'd do an intro and he'd flub it a couple of times. He's like, screw it, Bethany, do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it was just nice. It was a, gr she was like a great crutch for the whole production of like, we need something quick, just lean on Bethany. And she just executed every time, like one take wonder it was, it was pretty ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's awesome. Now who was like the shyest or in general, not just tennis United, who's one of the shyer players that you've worked with? Who's hard to get to come out of their shell or is like every player just pretty like happy to be chatty. Yeah. I mean, different guys, uh, uh, some of the foreign, like some of the not the native English speakers, I think are just a little hesitant and just a little uncertain and just a little shy about their English. A lot of times it's better than they think it is. Mm -hmm. And so they'll be like, no, no, I don't want to do it. And then you just, it's about building that relationship and the trust that we're there to, um, to protect them at the end of the day. But so, you know, that, that's, you know, some of the Spanish players we've, like uh, had to kind of get them out of their shell a little bit, but you know, for the most part, most of these guys, I think they're so used to doing interviews and do so much that some are softer spoken, but for the most part um, they're pretty good. It's always the guys when they first come on tour, it's like amazing to see the progression of these, like the next gen guys, the guys that they first come on tour to where they start and where they finish. Like I remember even, Wimbledon, we interviewed like Fritz and Opelka and Tiafa when they were in the juniors playing junior Wimbledon. And then, you know, seeing where they came from there to like where they are now. I mean, those guys were having trouble stringing sentences together just, I think, because of the nerves and shy. And now they're, they're great on camera. So it's like a lot of that's where I see it more often is like the first little bit on tour and like guys who come up and are like, media trained and ready to rock and like speak very well. Like 
16, 17, it blows my mind. So there's been a couple of those instances and it's always a standout thing where you're like, wow, that guy is very well-spoken already. Well, like even Coco Goff, I know you don't work as much with the WTA players, but she is insanely well-spoken. Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, that's a perfect example. Like Coco, it she she speaks like better than I do for sure. Um, <laughs> Same. But she's so... It's not just the fact that she's she's well-spoken, but she's thoughtful. She's intelligent. I mean, it's just like you if you didn't know she was 16, you'd say she was in her 30s. Like it just it's not even like she's skipped the 20s altogether. I mean, like 16, 17. It, she's she's wise beyond her years. And same with I mean, we did stuff with Felix and Shapovalov when they were I think Felix was 15 and Shapo was 16. Um and same thing. I remember Felix, like he was like this hyped 15 year old and we, in, and I interviewed him. I'm like, how could this guy be so well-spoken at 15? <laughs> like he just, you know, just cut the confidence and just felt like the comfort already at that age. You're like this guy, once the tennis kicks in, like he's already ready, just like Coco to be a superstar. Right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's, and it's cool because they are so well-spoken and it's like, you almost have this belief that they can guide this generation, like they're in the right direction and we're all going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, there's really, yeah, a lot of those young guys coming up, it's, it is impressive, like Sinner and guys like that, that just, they're thoughtful. They think about what they're saying. They, they're not kind of overwhelmed with the, with the situation. And it's like, I knew at 16, 17, I was definitely not in that level. <laughs> no, not many, not many 16 years, especially right now. Kids are, yeah, um, yeah it's crazy. Um, let's see, who are your favorite people to work with? I'm assuming you probably have built a pretty solid relationship with several players. I'm guessing many of them call you a close friend. Do you have anyone that you're always like, okay, this is going to be awesome. I get to, I mean, I'm sure like all of them, we know they're all really yeah. cool guys, but do you have anybody who's like in particular that, you know, it goes beyond just filming with? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it I, I don't just say this because I work with the ATP and the tour, but like, I like pretty much the entire tour. Uh, there's maybe like a name or two that once again, I probably won't name on this call. Yeah, no, but, it's good. <laughs> um, that I don't love, but for the most part, it's actually like the guys are really just good guys. Like they, you know, I mean, obviously it's a little different talking to someone right when they finish a match or lose a tough match than on a day to day, but friendly, nice. I mean, starting off, it's very hard not to say someone like fed is awesome and a great guy. I mean, we've had some different times when it's like even 2017, when he won his Aussie open Epic with Rafa, he did like four and a half hours of press after that, when probably all he wanted to do was be with his family. And we did the last interview of the day about like three in the morning, the guy comes in, he's done four and a half hours of the same questions. What does it mean to win? They tell us, Hey, you guys only have one question. I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, what does it mean to win? And he gives like a three and a half, three and a half, five minute answer, hitting the entire story of like, the win because he knows if you have one question, you got to make something of it. And, you know, after it's like I, he's walking out, I'm like, hey, Roger, thanks. And he's like, just trying to help a brother out. It's like, Aww. that's just a nice 
person when all, you know, just doing the interview is enough for some of these guys. So, you know, Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal are just, they are honestly total pros. Um, team, we did an off season with him and it was really cool, not only to see the way he trains, but just, he's just been such a nice guy since he came on tour. And even after all of his success, he has not changed really at all. Um, I really like guy Tsitsipas, uh, just nice. He loves talking sh- shop with the cameras. And that's so, what I was going to say. Cause he's got his own little production. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, he'll pick our brains and be like, what frame rate are you guys shooting in? Uh, what do you think about like, so he's like just locked into it. Guys like Diego Schwartzman, just so nice. And just like a lot of fun. Monfils, uh, you know, I can, I can run through pretty much the rankings and <laughs> little anecdotes on why I like certain guys or why they're fun to deal with. But, you know, I love the, like the American guys obviously are just, we, we can connect a little more on the sports and different bits. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, all the guys I really like have had some fun times with them, some dinners and some various nights out over the years. And, you know, it's, it's fun. It's honestly, it's the traveling circus where it's not just the players, but it's, it's the same, like you go to Indian Wells, you finish, then you go to Miami and it's all the same staff. It's the same coaches. It's the same players. And then you go to Europe and it's this, it's like, there's a core group that is uh, every time you go to another tournament or on site, it's just like seeing your friends and your, it's like going to high school and seeing like the group again after coming back from summer. So <laughs> everyone's like really friendly, a lot of hellos and just, it, that's what I actually enjoy most about the job is, you know, uh, I like getting to be creative and doing the production, but I just, I enjoy the banter and the interactions and just, um, obviously the activities and getting to see some of the different bits, but, um, it's the tour. That's the, the fun part. Yeah. I was going to ask how much are you coming up with the creative? Do the players ever have a say, or do you have any players that have like come up with something cool that stuck and became a whole piece of content and, or is it mainly coming from you guys? Is it coming from the ATP? I'm guessing it's probably a little bit of everything, but you tell me. Yeah, it is. It's a mix. It's, uh, you know, the players don't tend to have a ton of, um, things that they come up with, although, um, I'm struggling off the top of my head to think of a specific example, but I know, you know, there are some good ideas that have come up and we're always keen to execute them when, you know, guys have come to us and been just, yeah, come with ideas. And, um, it's fun when they can kind of take ownership of their own ideas because it does, you know, when they're locked in, it obviously is going to make a piece of content better. And then outside of that, it's really a mix of us and the ATP. Um, a lot of times we'll come to them with, you know, I'll send 15 pages of just like, I'll, I'll have a little notes in my phone where I just see something. I'm like, Ooh, that would be good. Or, Ooh, that's mm-hmm. a series or, Oh, that's a fun, you know, we do games with the guys where we did like a guess the grunt game with players where they were trying to guess each other's grunt. And that just came from like, I was sitting there watching a match and just like, I was in the other room and I heard like Rublev playing and he has such a specific, and it's just like, I'm like, I wonder if players would recognize this. And so it's like, ideas kind of come from all over or the ATP and their social team have a lot of good ideas. And so sometimes they'll be half baked and just be like, Hey, we saw this and we'd love to do something similar or they're more fleshed out and we're just there to execute and 
um, put their vision to life. So it, it's the fun part of the job is it's always different. The content's always different, but the idea is kind of, it's fun to have the ownership and, you know, they're very open to uh, good and uh, bad ideas, or at least <laughs> listening to the bad ideas. Uh, that's awesome that you bring that up and you can tell how passionate you are about it, but talk to me about the past year. Did you ever have days, moments, weeks? I'm hoping you say yes. Cause I certainly did where you just feel so stuck, especially dealing with the pandemic and everything. And so many people are like, Oh, this is so great. We have so much free time. And I don't know about you. I have a feeling you might have a similar opinion, but for me, it was like, Oh shoot, I got to work harder. I got to come up with more. What else? We need new things. We need like new ideas. Um, it could be, it can get a little tough some days. So how have you dealt with those, those down days? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, honestly, yeah, like Tennis United in and it of itself was it was a lot of fun, but to come up with content every week and it's just it hits you in the face like you just get over the line, you deliver the show on Friday and then you're like, "Geez, I got to come up with content for Monday." Exactly. Like, we're filming, we've got or like like the next filming is coming. So it's just like it, it's, you know, it's hard to complain when people are going through a lot worse. So, you know, our problems in compared to the others are definitely not problems, but you know, it is, it's it times like that. It was getting just long and the days are long. And, you know, just for me, what helped is just, it really is putting things in perspective of like, I'm working, I'm, you know, it's a grind at times like the U S open, we went to um, Cincinnati, which was the first tournament back. And it was awesome to be out there, but then with the protocols and everything, we had to bring a skeleton crew. And so, it was just me and a camera operator from the ATP side. And so it was up to us to get not only shoot the interviews, but come up with help, come up with the content and shoot all day. And then at the end of the day, we had to be in the hotel room, cutting little things together, sending it back to editors because we are the only connection between how the footage, the, the footage that shot and how people view it. So, you know, we were having days of just like going to bed at like three thirty four up at 8 a.m. to get back to site. And it was just like, you know, a couple, like a week plus of that was grueling. But, you know, it's the same thing where it's like, hey, I could also not have a job or I could be, you know, my health could be compromised. My family's health could be compromised. So it really was a perspective thing because you can easily get into that either, yeah, not necessarily feeling sorry for myself, but just like, yeah, you're broken. You're working. It's it's a weird mix. I feel like with a lot of people in these times of you're either stressed because you're not working or you don't have something and you don't, you have the uncertainty of what your next thing is. Or if you are working, you're probably, you might be working way crazier hours or way more than you were before the pandemic. And at the beginning, it was probably good for most people. And then it, people are getting burnt out. And, you know, it's that vibe of like, you want to keep your work. And you also, you know, that work-life balance blur is gotten um, very blurry. Yeah. I don't think it really exists in the tennis world, the, the work-life balance. I mean, it sure no. it does, but, you know, it's easier for, I think, someone like you that's kind of, yeah, traveling and doing all this. It's easier. I mean, and also it's your passion. You love it. It's like I, I wake up in the middle of the night with ideas and I'm like, okay, write this down, write this down. This is going to be really cool. So it's kind of like one of those things. I mean, right now uh, the Australian Open's going on. So you fall asleep to tennis and you're like, oh, if I wake up early enough, there might still be a match on. So 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a good problem. And you get into it. And that's the thing is any job with what we do, I'm sure you love, it sounds like you love what you do. I love what I do. And any, even the great jobs have long days and tough days and stretches of time where the job is feels exactly like a job. And, you know, there is, I don't think there's an industry or a job in the world that doesn't have those moments. Some have a lot more bad moments and some have less, but you know, it's, uh, it's the nature of the beast. And, you know, I, I really do feel lucky that we've got to work during a pandemic that, you know, we, we had the ability to continue and, you know, uh, it, the alternative is much worse. So, um, that's, that's how we really got through it, but completely agree. It's, uh, there's the, the work-life balance working in sport and in tennis, it, it, if you need that work-life balance, this might not be the industry for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, now what's one of your absolute favorite pieces of content that you guys have produced or you've come up with, or you've seen manifest? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I love the off seasons, honestly, like we've done a handful of off seasons, um, from the Bryans to Jack sock to Dominic team, Shapovalov, Felix, Fritz, Nishikori. Like, I mean, a lot of fun names and it, it, I really love doing that. I like producing that content, but I love going to their training camp, seeing how they're going about it. Like, it's really interesting to me to just you know, I see the guys on site and it's the same stuff. They come on site, they practice for an hour or two, they do their gym and it's like the same routine. And so this is kind of, those pieces are the times you can really see not only the personalities, but like, like a guy like team where I've heard about his workouts, but to mm-hmm. actually see what he does. And like, I was tired at the end of the day, just walking around with him and I'm just watching some other, some guy work out like you must be shattered, man. Um, or <laughs> yeah, like Chapo, the day he put in, it was like two, two hour tennis sessions. He did gym in the morning, then he did gym at night and then he did fitness on court after his second. It's just like, I don't know how they do it, but you know, that's why, you know, it's a, five hour match and they look fresh as a daisy. So I love the off seasons. Um, we did, we went to Tandil 2019 and, uh, spent some time with Del Potro for two days. Um, that was really cool. Just like seeing he put together like a practice session for just, um, it was a food, it was really nice. He did a food drive down there and had open practice session. All you needed to do to come was just bring some food and donate. And so it was just to see him and Tandil where he's from in that vibe, just the fans couldn't even hold back just seeing him out there. And so we produced kind of a longer form piece from that. That was really fun. Um, just yeah, going, we got beers with him and his friends in the mountains and like did some various filming around the town with him, which was awesome. Um, we in Milan in 2019, we did a longer form, like an hour and a half documentary on the next gen ATP finals. Um, and that was fun. Like I've never done quite that long of a long form documentary. And um, it was cool. Like the guys were just, we, I talked to the, all the guys before we started it and just said, look, we really want to do something a bit different. We we're going to be like you're going to see cameras in places you don't normally see us. We're going to go in your locker room before and after the matches. So unless you tell us otherwise, we will be filming. So, you know, it's, and that was fun and tough where it's like a guy loses a heartbreaking match. Like Tiafo loses a 
like near the end, he lost a really tough match that he against demon R and we run off the court and like go into his locker room and wait for him. And it's just like, no, <laughs> I hope this is going to be okay. Like the guy's just like, you're not used to like, I'm we're used to when they lose, we kind of just leave them alone and we don't do many interviews after they lose. Cause that's not the type of content we're doing. So it was definitely, it was fun. It was run and gun, but you know, that was just seeing the highs and lows from there was, was awesome. So yeah, not one piece of content, I guess I've, there's more than that, but those were, uh, those were, those are some of the highlights for sure. And we'll definitely link all the videos in the show notes so everyone can check them out. And it's kind of like when you get onto that YouTube channel, you just kind of go from one thing to the next and you can be entertained for hours, easily hours. And that's what we try to do. I don't know if it works, but that, <laughs> that would be the end goal. I mean, I, and I don't know if your team produces this stuff, but like some of the ATP, like best forehand winners, like that stuff too. Oh, we pass that stuff around the office. Like, have, did you see this? And make sure you watch it two minutes in. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. We, we do a mix, <laughs> the company that we work with in London do a mix. And, um, even the, uh, there's a tennis TV, which is, um, different than us, but we work alongside them and they do a lot of that. So, um, the ATP social team for the ones we do, they, they have good eyes and they, uh, they help send us a lot of those videos and, um, we help cut those together, but yeah, it's amazing at the end of the day, sometimes we'll spend all this time on like going to a hometown and filming and producing this really beautiful, in our opinion, cinematic thing. And then you put together like the top five, four Rublev's <laughs> top five forehands. And it's like way more views and way, cause at the end of the day, people want to see tennis and I don't blame them. It's just, it's, you know, at, that's, that's what rates. And so, yeah. and I'm the same way I'm going through YouTube and I'm like, Ooh, what's the, you know, the most unusual, most <laughs> unusual, uh, points on tour. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. We know the struggle on the side of that too. <laughs> Um, I have a few more questions cause I could just like keep asking you questions about yeah, the tour. And I'm players. here for it. Okay, cool. Um, I have, uh, a, a couple players in mind, but who are the wildest players that you've worked with? And there are two that come automatically to mind that stand out that might be from California also. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have any stories working with them. Hopefully they're the same two that are, I'm thinking of. <laughs> okay. Well, which two are you thinking of? Well, they happen to be twins. And okay. Yep. They are yes, the Brian brothers, I'm assuming. So <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, they're good. I mean unbelievable, uh, unbelievable guys. Like some of my favorites, I'm, I think everyone felt the same way when they retired. Just, it was, yeah, it's sad because they're yeah. just, they're so much fun, but they definitely, there's always just when they're together, you have no idea what's going to happen as I'm sure, you know, um, it's incredible that they could play for that long, seeing their interactions with each other because they go from loving brothers <laughs> to like explosion with the, you don't even know it's coming at times. It's just like, everything's going oh, all smooth, all smooth. And then somebody says something they shouldn't as a brother or got <laughs> 40 years of just beating on each other and the hair trigger temper to go on each other. And then instantly, once that's done, go back to being brothers and being able to compete together is I don't know if we'll ever see that again. No, it's wild. 
Yeah, we literally were just talking about one day um, they were on a shoot and I think Bob just rifled a ball at Mike's head and missed him by maybe an inch. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it, and, and yeah, it's just it's shocking. Like you see that and you're like, oh, my God, there, we're like you, you feel like, well, there goes our shoot. Like, yeah. our, and then they're fine. Like, yeah. totally fine. <laughs> you know, we had some. Yeah, we did a um, U.S. Open with them. After they won the U.S. Open, I think it was their hundredth title. We did a media tour with them around New York, and so they were going. We were in a van with a bunch of it was us and some of the USTA. It was probably like ten people with them in one of these sprinter vans, and we're just <laughs> going about it, driving in the car. They're just having a light conversation, and just the wrong thing was said by Mike to Bob, and it was just a very subtle comment, and it just turned into an explosion in the van that we were just, yeah, everyone's just sitting there like they're going about it. And then we get out of the van and it's all good. And everyone's just awkwardly sitting there going like, wow, they're bringing all this up in front of all. Okay. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, those guys for sure. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, some of the other players, obviously a guy like Benoit pair, great guy, love that guy. And just, you never know what you're going to get with him. Even when you're interviewing him, he's just quirky Monfies, mm-hmm. same thing. He, he always is up for kind of joking and just, yeah, he's, he's a fun guy. And so it's like, we've tried brought him in for an interview and he just decided that one day he was just only going to speak French for like 10 <laughs> minutes. And we're just like, come on, but <laughs> it's fun. You know, yeah. it's uh it, it's, you know, if you can't have fun with what you're doing and even them when they're doing these interviews and all of that, um, you know, it, 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 you've got to find the fun in it all. So I, I love the guys who actually want to go a little outside of it and actually, yeah, mess around a little bit. And just sometimes it's like, uh, wrangling, uh, you know, herding sheep, herding <laughs> cats, not herding sheep, but herding cats, <laughs> but it feels like it's a little bit like herding cats, but, um, it's fun. Uh, speaking of, I have to know if the ATP prank wars, is this an ongoing thing? Because I just rewatched that video that you pranked a bunch of the guys. I think Kyrgios was in there. Uh, some of the French guys, it was hilarious. You yeah. have, yeah, you can explain it better than me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, visually, I think you probably have to see the video a little yeah, more. That, we'll yeah, link but, it. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, that came just, that was another idea we just came up with out of, I was a little tapped out to start the season and just wanted to do something a little different. Uh, There's this shoot in Melbourne every year that um, the players do for the ATP where they bring in the whole top 150 from qualifying through the whole tournament. And that's where they get all their assets. If you look on the ATP website, new headshots, the, you know, if you see posters for tournaments, that it's where they get all the assets with the players and their new kit. So there's a video component and a, photo component. And then we also have a setup where we not only grab players for interviews and we also act as overflow. If there's two players at the same time and then a third player comes, they come to us and we knock out a lot of content. So, you know, in five days we'll interview like 60, 70 players and you don't really know what you're saying anymore. But <laughs> So every year I try to do like a mix of features and games. And so with that one, um, we had this mouth, I, I don't know what it's called, but there's a game where you, uh, you're you supposed to like try to understand what people are saying with this thing in your mouth that looks like, 
I don't know how to describe it, but it looks like something you get at the dentist office. Yeah. Um, and so I tried it out and I was testing it with our crew and they're like, I can still understand everything you're saying. And so we wanted to have players like try to guess words with it. And then we were just started joking and we're like, what if we, what if I like wore this and <laughs> like told players I had dental surgery? So it honestly started that way. We came up with the idea and like an hour later we were shooting it and I was a little scared because the ATP at the time didn't know we were doing it. Oh. And so I was just, we just kind of went for it because we were in our little corner in the back of the away from where everything is. So they'd bring the player around the corner and we just started like, we set up a little thing where we put a guy behind the pillar when they showed up so we could get a camera on me, but they didn't see, wait, why do you have a camera on Charlie? You never have a camera on him. And so they'd come in, I went in the bathroom and hid. And then our cameraman like set it up with them. He's like, yeah, Charlie's in the bathroom. He just got some dental surgery. <laughs> and I wore this big thing in my mouth. And I basically, the premise was I was going to try to do serious interviews with the guys talking about pressure um, and seeing what their reactions were. And so, yeah, I'll, if it's like a four minute video, maybe you'll, you could probably see it a little better if you watch it, but that was fun. Um, it was actually very painful because the guys were, when you're talking about nice guys, they were all so nice that I was starting to feel guilty, oh, no. like not long into it. Like I did the first one with Diego Schwartzman, I think. And he was just like, they were most that, you know, with some creative cutting it a little more of the best bits, but a lot of it was them answering serious questions, looking at me kind of deadpan, trying not to laugh because they thought I was really in pain and hurting. And uh, just shows like all the guys, Kyrios, Fritz, Tiafo, they all were genuinely concerned. And when I did the reveal, I actually was like a little pit in the stomach. Like, <laughs> oh, please, I hope they under like the joke as much as we do. But yeah. It was fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if I'll be doing that again, but, um, <laughs> we do have a lot of ideas for ones for players on players pranks, which were, we were going to try to start doing and COVID came. So, um, I think you will see some, hopefully, um, I don't want to spoil any ideas just in case, uh, we want to actually execute them, but we have some fun stuff up our sleeve. Um, and hopefully we can execute it in the not so distant future. That brings me to another question. What does the year look like for you? It's 2021. We're recording this. It's the first week of the Australian Open. I feel like there's such a buzz in the tennis community. Like we're all so excited that like pro tennis is back. There's some fans and spectators and it's very exciting. But what is up for you next? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, right now we're grinding. Uh, we've got a crew down in Melbourne producing filming content and uh, sending stuff back to our team. Um, we actually were a fully remote production company. So we've got editors around the US and the world. So um, I, we're busy with the content, but I'm actually just not on the ground this time. Uh, we've got other stuff business-wise. So it just didn't make sense for me to do the two-week hotel quarantine. But luckily our camera, one of our main camera guys was willing to do it. And, uh, so he's out there just grinding turnaround content. Um, it's yeah, afternoon here and it's just starting to pick up for the day with, um, 
them starting their day in Australia. So we're yep. keeping in touch over text and working remotely with them. And then as the year goes, you know, we're, we're going to tournaments. So I don't know what my set tournament schedule is. Um, I have been trying to tone back the travel a little bit this year, but we're going, it looks like our next events for sure will be Rotterdam and Doha. Um, and then probably Miami after that. And we might throw in a South American tournament or so, or Acapulco or one of those events. If, uh, you know, we need a little more content or depending on how things kind of shape up in Australia. So it's definitely a, a challenge and interesting just with COVID and setting everything up, we're looking into getting people from the U S into Rotterdam, which is its own logistical nightmare, which, yeah. uh, my wife is our production manager. And so she's has the not so fun job of doing all the research and trying to find out how we get a crew in. And so she's, uh, yeah, she's been working hard on Rotterdam and Doha actually, as we speak, she's in the other room, just grinding away, but yeah, so that's, you know, our plan, we still have ATP uncovered, so we'll be turning that around every week. Um, and so a lot of banked content going in there, but then a lot of fresh content that we need to go pick up. So that's roughly the plan. But, you know, with COVID, you just you never know what what uh, what's around the corner. For sure. And you have traveled to so many places Two, this is a two parter. If someone were to like put one tournament on their bucket list that they have to go to, what would it be? And is there a tournament that you have not been to that you would want to go check out? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple that I really love that have been fun. Like, I mean, in terms of majors, I maybe I don't know if I'm allowed to say this in the US, but I think <laughs> Australian Open might be my favorite. Really? Like, okay. I mean, Wimbledon, each major has its own bits. Like New York and the buzz is awesome and they do a great job there. French Open has its own vibe and is just, it's very French and got such that, that just flair in May. <laughs> Wimbledon is, you know, the mecca of tennis and just it, you feel history when you're there. And the Australian Open as a pure, just as a pure event, Melbourne in the summer is unbelievable. And the matches and the vibe and the crowd, it's like when you leave the site, there's just such a buzz around Melbourne that I granted you have to go to Australia to go there, which might be a little bit too far of a trip. But I highly suggest that one in terms of the major bucket list. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you go to some of the warm up events and the ATP Cup as a whole is a new event year two, and it's awesome. So you partner that with the ATP Cup wearing the ATP hat. Uh, that one's fun. Yeah. Um, and in terms of other events, like I actually really like Acapulco. Okay. Um, if you're in the U S not too hard to get to, um, the players, the resort is at the same location as the, as the court. So players are walking through, like you're in the lobby and Rafa's walking through and you know, all the top players are there. Hopefully I'm not spoiling this for them where <laughs> now I've, we've just opened up the floodgates and there's a bunch of fans, but yeah, it's like, it's such a chilled vibe. Like they're on, there's, you don't have to drive to the court. So players just walk in like two rackets in hand, walking from their room to the courts in the elevator. So like a fan environment, it's, it's a cool vibe. The matches don't start till like four o'clock in the afternoon because of the heat. So it's just, it's got a party atmosphere and there's a lot kind of a fun activities there. Um, in terms of pure tennis, Indian Wells is awesome. Um, obviously the city is a little sleepier, but 
in terms of the tennis, it's like, ten, it is, they call it tennis paradise. And you really like, I mean, like a kid in a candy story, ATP, but you also have WTA. You've got all these stars. They've got the grass where you can, it's like being at a zoo. You get to like <laughs> people, fans can like watch them in their natural habitat. You know, the practice courts, you can see like, you know, you go to some of the back practice courts and you can just, you're like one of the only fans sitting there watching someone like Sinner practice. So that one's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could geek out on just tournaments and different reasons why I like different ones, but those are some of them. I think uh, you really can't go wrong with most events, just depending on what you're looking for in a vibe. But I'd say those are, those are a good little, that's a good little starting place. I like those. And those all have like really good weather. So <laughs> exactly. We're lucky. We do for the most part, we travel with the sun, with the tennis tour. So, you know, it's uh, we're, we're lucky to kind of just follow the weather and, Normally I'm in Australia this time of the year. So when California is a little rainy or foggy, we just, we follow summer and, and sun, which uh, is the nice thing about the ATP and the WTA tours. Totally. Um, okay. I'm slowly wrapping it up, but you've worked with so many players. Do you have anyone that is on your bucket list that you have not worked with? And since you have worked with like basically the whole ATP, it can be someone who's a former player or even someone from another sport. If we have to go that far, since you probably like literally interviewed everyone on the ATP. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good question have interviewed pretty much everyone. Um, actually Agassi is the one guy I've never interviewed. Um, he's on my bucket list too. He's elusive. I've, yeah. I've seen him and I've walked by him and said hello, but yeah, I've never, uh, I don't think I've never interviewed him. So that would probably be up there from the tennis side. I mean, we've done, you know, guys like Borg and stuff like that labor. It's been, we've lucky enough to do some of that. Not all of these Tennis United and some of these things have allowed us to, like a guy like Borg, we got to do, and that was more over Zoom. I've seen him in person, but never interviewed him in person. So that would be cool. I mean, honestly, LeBron, if you want to go another sport, yeah. <laughs> hard to say not like a guy like LeBron would be just for, I, I, yeah, that would be great. Luckily, uh, I did some golf a couple weeks ago, or a month or two ago, and we, I checked off the Tiger Woods one on the bucket list. So okay. that was uh, there's the golf flex right there. That's but my nice. golf knowledge outside of him and a couple names, that's it. So it would have probably been Tiger. Yeah. I mean, been lucky with on the tennis bucket list of most of them. I've uh, I've had a chance to uh, interact or interview, but I'd say Agassi from the tennis side. Nice. So you, I also, like I said, had Agassi, but I, think I want Steffi more than Agassi. Ooh. So that's Ooh, just... I could I put, could we do a combo? Cause I oh, think yeah. both of them, Steffi and Andre together, I think is the, that's just a, the ultimate win because right? they both don't do much. So I, <laughs> yeah. I would, I, yes. We're, we're putting Steffi. it out there. So we're going to manifest it. It's going to happen. <laughs> we're great at recording zoom calls. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, the sales pitch is there. Okay, cool. <laughs> One more question. Do you have a player, when you go into these interviews, sometimes I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. Um, there's someone that you're like kind of excited, but you're 
you're kind of not sure what to expect. And maybe you're a little nervous about going into it. You've never worked with them before. Has there been a player that you've been kind of like going into it a little nervous, unsure, and then they've completely surprised you and they've kind of like changed your perspective on them and made you just kind of 180? Uh, that's a good question. It would probably be more towards when we I started. Like now with the amount of tournaments we do, we see these guys so often that the only new ones really are just the guys like when they first break through and you just don't really know what to expect. You're like, does this guy speak English? Does this guy, is, <laughs> is this guy nice? like, does he, you know, will he be able to string sentences together, which you just, you never know. So um, one guy actually, I really, yeah, I wasn't nervous about, but I just, I knew nothing about until we did that Milan documentary with a sinner. Um, that was a pleasant, he was, you know, I heard so much about him and I've, I never really interviewed him before that tournament, which he went on to win, um, which was crazy. But um, it was really cool to just see his personality and just how he, his comfort just in that, on that stage and all of that really come out. It was like, I mean, before the matches, after the matches, I mean, he's in the locker room and he's just laughing with his friends. He's about to go play in Italy where he's playing guys around his own age where there's actually pressure and to perform and, He's just like a, he was like an 18 year old kid, just like so chilled about it all. And then goes out, takes care of business and he's like professional, but also just very uh, like a kid. So it's a combo of, you know, he just totally handles the moment, reminds me a lot. Not that I interacted or did stuff with younger Fed, but I've heard, you know, the things I've heard about him and the way he went about it or, you know, he's just one of those guys that just kind of feels like the stage isn't too big and almost feels like he belongs a bit. Same with a guy like Felix. It's like guys like that, where it's just, you feel like they have this confidence, even at a young age, this quiet confidence, not really cocky, but it's just, it's a belief that I think the champions tend to have. Yeah, I would agree. That's yeah. And isn't, was Sinner the one that was potentially going to be a professional skier also or did dabble yeah. okay yeah <laughs> he was like a, i think he was two number two skier in like the 14s or 12s in italy so it's quite a career jump going from yeah. to tennis but i think uh yeah watching him play i i think we're pretty lucky that he made the choice of uh tennis but yeah i mean i would like to do one sport at like a decent level but <laughs> Yeah, there's like, yeah, just skiing or, you know, you have Rafa. It's like, yeah, soccer or tennis. Like, just these, some of these guys are just, yeah, that's why they are where they are. They're great athletes, not just in tennis, but in general. Yeah. Ash Barty. She like, yeah, Ash Barty steps is a away. Yeah. yeah. Being like, oh, yeah, just low key. Just, I'm going to just stop playing. I'm going to go become professional cricket golf or, and golf. Yeah. <laughs> golf. Yeah. She's like, I saw a video of her the other day. She's like upstage in Tiger Woods in yeah. Uh, Melbourne. Yeah, just low key. And then, oh, and then I'm number one in the world. And, or yeah, I don't play for 11 months and then come back and just dominate again. So, oh, and oh, first round. Like, what? <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, she is. She's unbelievable. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is with both tours, it's like the amount of talent between the tours and the players out there. It's, it's unbelievable. And, I guess that's why they are where they are is they have that, that athletic ability that is not just stuck in one sport. Yeah. 
Well, this was a really fun chat and it makes me even more excited to like dive into the Australian Open right now and just kind of watch all of the stuff and keep up with all the content that you guys are producing and all of it. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that was fun. I, uh, I was a former, I was a former stringer for, you know, a little bit at Tennis Warehouse. So, you know, it's really (laughs) deep in my heart. I wasn't, at a level where they were ready to train me on the phones. So I never got that benefit of talking to customers, but I think I was like a month away from finally getting there before, uh, you know, my, I decided to uh, start working at a little club around here, but yeah, I was, I love T-Dub and uh, really happy to be on and yeah, hopefully we got to get out there on the tennis warehouse court soon and get finish our doubles. I know. Yeah. Charlie and I had uh, doubles. Uh, it was, Pretty heated. It got pretty good. Good. It was good. It was good. Good doubles out there. We we split sets. We and did. Then we had to stop. So it's like we'll never know. Our partners were weighing us down, so they needed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we'll have to definitely get back out there for sure. Thank you for having me, Michelle. It was a lot of fun being on here and um, nice, easy conversation. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy hitting. It's like the paranoia. <laughs> I know. It's always, we stress. It's like, especially when we get like the bigger players and it's like, you're so, I'm so nervous. Like, please don't go wrong. It's like their connection doesn't go or Guga we did and his was so bad. And that was the only one where it's like, he's like, <laughs> uh, Guga, I don't know what you're saying, man, but we'll just put a lot of pictures over this interview and hopefully it sounds okay. Just smile and nod.